Fashion can be a universal player in protecting the planet. Pharrell Williams. I'm Blakely Thomas Aguilar, and this is Pop Culture Tech, an original podcast brought to you by VMware. The idea for this episode comes from two binge-worthy shows. Number one, the sneaker episode in the delightfully odd Disney Plus series, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. And number two, Planet Earth by the BBC. I've long admired sneaker culture. I don't mean to brag, but I had a pretty sweet pair of filas during my 90s youth. Fast forward to today, my oldest son is a verified seller on GOAT and some pretty ridiculous sneakers come into my home, are admired briefly, and then are sent to the new owner. Sneaker culture is art, it's fanaticism, it's beauty, and it's a driving passion for hundreds of millions of us, not to mention the thousands of major collectors all over the world. And the cultural fervor surrounding sneakers turned the industry into an economic powerhouse. Beyond the $88 billion market projections, I'm more amazed by resale values, a market projected to hit $6 billion by 2025, according to Cohen and Company. Here's a great example I read in a 2019 Business Insider piece by Madeline Stone. Canadian investor Miles Nadal spent $1.2 million on 100 pairs of rare sneakers. When asked why, He said, and I quote, I believe that sneakers are where automobiles were 20 years ago. I always call my cars movable art, and I call sneakers wearable or walkable art. From sneaker cons to celebrity endorsements, sneaker culture can be seen in every town, every continent, everywhere in the world. But let's talk about the world and how our obsession with footwear impacts our planet. To introduce us to the topic, I had the pleasure of speaking with Nicolene Van Enter, founder and creative director of The Footwearers. I got into footwear more or less by accident when I was 18 and started working after high school. I wasn't sure what I wanted to study yet, so ended up in a clothing store that had a footwear department. And they put me on the footwear department the very first day. And I had never seen footwear as a separate career option. But from then I did. I liked it way more than I liked apparel. I liked the technology behind it, that it's 3D, the complexity of it, the different materials involved. So basically over the past, say, 32 years, I have been doing many different things in the footwear industry, ranging from having my own forecasting agency for fashion trends. And that's where I started getting into sneakers, which were my, was my own passion. After working for powerhouses like Timberland, Birkenstock, and Vans, Nicolene has become an expert in applying new digital and biological technologies to footwear. As part of that journey, sustainability, both the materials and supply chain, has become her passion. And top brands look to her for guidance and innovation. Nike has been working on this for the longest, I think, as a a sneaker brand. Um, 
in general, what you see, there's different reasons. A lot of people started with this from the product development side, simply seeing in manufacturing the pollution that we create with footwear. Now, of course, to really make those programs work and make them bigger, you need the support of marketing. So as the consumer became more aware of the uh, need for more sustainable footwear, which is only basically in the past few years. Now you see a much bigger push um, for sustainability. I remember Nike's first um, fully sustainable line considered at that time was absolutely not successful for them. So they terminated it because people didn't like the aesthetic of it. Their audience was not so interested. It was not on the forefront of their mind that sustainability was important. Now, I think they should bring that line back. At the time, what they did is kind of use it as a trial to test a lot of different manufacturing options that they are now applying throughout the collection in different shoes, not as a separate collection. And basically, Adidas also now has a very large focus on sustainability, but came much, much later. As I alluded to before, celebrity endorsements are huge in sneaker culture. So I couldn't help but ask Nicolene about how Kanye's Yeezys are made and their impact on the planet. I'm happy that you mentioned Kanye, who I, who I think is, is doing <laughs> interesting things there in terms of he also, uh, so, so I don't know if you know, but Kanye is focusing very strongly at this moment to try and bring the manufacturing of his footwear back to the United States. Uh, not sure yet if this will work, right? They're trying to make potentially bring it back to Cody in Wyoming, where he bought his ranch. Um, now, what I would like to see as a future system um, is that these celebrities would start to feel more and more responsible for what it is that they're putting out there and to use their creativity to stimulate their consumer to be more sustainable. But it doesn't have to be a story of, oh, you need to be more sustainable and to make you feel guilty and whatnot. It could be super creative. So for instance, if I look at the um, Yeezy 350, the, the, the first shoe basically that he, he did with Adidas. Now, if if you see the complaints about that shoe, it's a lot of times that that boost sole is breaking, that it's somehow cracking and, and the knitted upper is still good. So what if he were to design new soles for that shoe that you could only get if you were to bring your worn 350 with the broken sole to a store so that you could have the new one put under? So it's these types of concepts that I look at in my consulting to think outside the box. My consulting always with companies as much as possible is focused on the longevity factor. So how can we be creative to increase longevity, to change different processes for recycling, to do remake, upcycling, and make that popular. So I totally think it's possible I also think that Adidas especially has done a very good job, very smart together with Parley to make sustainability more cool. That's basically also the purpose of what Parley, Parley is doing. So um, 
I, I think it's a really good idea that they're trying that first. So I, I heard a lecture once by uh, the founder of Parley, where he agreed that the, the shoes that they've made so far with the ocean plastic might not be 100% perfect from a sustainability perspective. But what it did do is to open up the eyes of this sneaker consumer who was not interested in sustainability whatsoever to this idea. How sneakers are made is only one part of the equation. When you look at that $85 billion annual sneaker market, a very small portion of those are being saved and collected long-term. Most of our shoes wear down and are discarded. So what happens to sneakers when they're end of life? Now, if the shoes come to the recycling plant, um, the first thing that happens is to sort out the shoes that are still wearable that are still good enough. Those shoes are basically cleaned and sold on. And that's the majority of the shoes that arrive at the recycling facility. The companies need to do that because this is the only way they can finance the recycling. How else are they financing the recycling? Uh, this is costing money. And in our current business structure, we have no margin at all for this. So unfortunately, selling this on, and in the case of footwear, usually to developing countries, uh, which is not a practice that I'm a fan of, but at this moment, it's the only way that they finance it. Because the shoes that are worn out and that are actually being recycled, those shoes cannot be disassembled. So in general, the way we make shoes, everything is glued or fused or melted together. So what you do now is basically shred the entire shoe as a whole. And then there's a separation unit that separates with centrifugal machines that separates the different materials based upon density. So at the end of that process, you have several types of granulates that are quite impure because it's really difficult to fully sort based upon chemical composition. And this can then be used as a, as a filler, essentially. So you use it for pavement. You've seen a lot of playgrounds where the pavement is recycled sneakers. Nike is also known for that, Nike Grind. Um, or it would be an insulation, backing of carpet, all that. But that's a very large downgrade. So that, for instance, is why brands like Adidas with their Futurecraft Loop are aiming for a mono-material shoe that can then also be ground up as a whole, but the granulate that you have at the end is more pure because it's only one type of chemical, and then it can be recycled. What I would really like to stimulate uh, companies and designers to do is to start designing the cycle. So instead of, now we see a lot of initiatives on, uh, for beginning of life, as we call it. So how can we make uh, materials more natural and less toxic and all that? But since we don't have any of the waste management systems, the take back systems, et cetera, um, whatever you do, you might make a lot of effort to try and create a very sustainable shoe, whether it's a sneaker or another shoe. In the end, it doesn't matter because it ends up in the same waste stream as any other shoe and it will just get burned or, or go straight into landfill. So what I really do hope is to see more collaborations between footwear companies, waste companies, recycling companies, to set up that cycle because somebody will need to get started on taking the shoes back, uh, recycling them, whether this is grinding up, chemical recycling, biodegradation, there are no systems for that. You know, Native made a fantastic plant 
plant-based shoe, which is 100% plant-based, it's fantastic. Currently, if you were just to throw that shoe away, it still gets incinerated. So it could be composted, but it's not composted. So that's the part where I really hope that uh, we will see more effort uh, designing end of life, designing recycling, designing compostability. Designing the cycle. This concept sparked a two hour Google session for me. As I searched for innovative footwear companies thinking not only about the materials, but also sustainable business practices, supply chains, and disposal. One company kept popping up in my search results again and again, and that's Vivo Barefoot. From niche science blogs to major publications like The Guardian, the Vivo Barefoot team and their sustainable, naturalistic footwear innovations are at the forefront of their industry. Fortunately, co-founder Galahad Clark took time away from his busy schedule to shed light on their company, the industry, and how they're helping build a sneaker culture that's sustainable and good for your health. So I come from a long line of shoemakers, seven generations to be precise. Um, we've been making shoes in the southwest of England as a family for nearly 200 years. and. Uh, I actually ended up at university in America um, because the sort of small town I came from was, um, you know, I was sort of dying to get out of it, basically. I was really into Wu-Tang and they amazingly started wearing my family's shoes for the, um, And so I used it as a sort of excuse to go and meet them. And one thing led to another. I tried to get them to do a deal with my family business. It didn't work out. So I ended up kind of launching my shoe career, so to speak, trying to make Wu shoes. To cut a long story short, it was a failure as a business and I ended up uh, leaving America slightly with my tail between my legs right around the time of 9-11. Um, and um, went out into the world. I ended up then running another shoe business that was a sort of eco fashion business. And um, while I was doing that, um, I started a, a shoe business called United Nude with a Dutch architect friend of mine. And while all that was going on, a childhood friend of mine came to me with the idea of making barefoot shoes. And he'd taken a Nike Hirachi and cut the sole off it and stitched a tennis racket cover on the bottom and said, this is how shoes should be made. And I just instinctively liked the idea. I'm, I, I come from the southwest of England, a pretty rural area where we all used to sort of run around barefoot as kids. And I associate my happy place with being barefoot by the by the coastline of England, which is where I am now, seeing out this, uh, this these crazy times. Um, and, you know, one thing led to another and we started making barefoot shoes. So how did Galahad go from chasing the Wu-Tang Clan to building a company founded on sustainable business practices? And where does that eco-passion come from? There was definitely already an environmental awakening uh, when I was starting out in business in the early 2000s. Um, and I think anyone you know, that was in business back then and that was young was already thinking environmentally. 
Um, I was just lucky to be relatively young and sort of running my own businesses. So I was able to maybe get slightly ahead of the curve. And I had an eco guru called Kate Fletcher, who remains one of the most important thinkers in eco design and sustainability design. She's published numerous books now and is really an amazing thinker on the subject. But she introduced me to a guy called John Ehrenfeld. And he wrote a book called, amongst many others, he's an American professor and wrote a book called Sustain-Ability. Um, and in that book, he defines sustainability as humans and other life being able to flourish on earth. And the only excuse for filling the world up with more stuff is to make products that do one of at least three things, that they help us connect more with nature and or they make us feel more human and or they help ask important environmental and ethical questions. And I sort of quickly realized through this kind of sustainability teaching and this perspective on sustainability that is, you know, it's absolutely connected to humans and the, the human experience. And the more humans are connected to nature, the more likely they are to look after it. And I realized that, you know, the only shoes that I was making that even came close to living up to those uh, credentials were barefoot shoes. You know, they literally make you feel more human. They, they literally connect you more to nature. And, you know, I think, you know, through the supply chain and the way we try to make the shoes, they ask important environmental and ethical questions. So, well, and at least try to answer some of those questions. So, it was kind of through sustainability thinking that I came to sort of drop the other projects I was doing or exit them and really sort of believe in this mission of reconnecting people and the planet. One of the most interesting eco footwear innovations coming out of Vivo Barefoot is something called Bloom Foam. Yeah, so the credit for this totally goes to my cousin Asher. He's a, he's a really keen surfer and um, follows Kelly Slater a lot. And Kelly Slater has a, his own surfboard brand. And they were making, um, and he noticed that they were making their tail fin pads out of this bloom foam. And the company is called, it's an American company called Algix um, that, that make a product called Bloom, which is effectively a, replacement for foam DVA uh, and so he hunted them down and chased them down and said look if you can make tail fin pads out of it then we can surely make shoes out of this and um, and so began a really cool collaboration with them um, they're, they're, they're amazing people and um, we worked really closely with them over a number of years and still do to make you know our 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 equivalent kind of Crocs shoe out of this foam. Um, so they, 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 they literally like with a big Hoover, Hoover algae out of the waterways. And the algae is there because of excess farming and excess nitrogen gets into the water, which creates these algae blooms that ultimately sucks out the oxygen from the waterways and kills a lot of the wildlife in the, in the water. So they, they literally go around cleaning this stuff up. Um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a perpetual problem because obviously farming is still using all kinds of terrible things to fertilize land with. 
So the, 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 the water runoff is, is, is ongoing and the algae continues to grow. So the, the hoovering is far from finished. But anyway, they, they, with, with the algae, they then um, are, are able to replace a lot of the petrochemicals. For the Vivo Barefoot team's eco journey, algae is just one of many examples of their sustainable business practices and innovative techniques. Sustainability is, I think, a never-ending journey on, on many, many levels. And so to make the perfect shoe that has zero biomechanical interference with the human body, so to be as sort of close to barefoot as possible, is obviously a never-ending journey because ultimately we make shoes and so there'll always be some interference. But to provide thermal protection and puncture protection because humans don't have hooves or pads, is a tool that we still need to provide humans, as it were. So we'll, I think, you know, we'll, there'll always be a job for cobblers. And, you know, we will, we will continue to pursue um, the perfect shoe in, in terms of having as, as little interference in the way the foot moves as possible, but then also has as, as minimum impact on the planet as possible. And in a perfect world would be actually be regenerative. We know it can be regenerative for human health to wear less shoes and, and we'd love to set up supply chains that can be regenerative for, um, for the planet and, um, and how the where the shoes are made through those supply chains. So, but yeah, we're, we're a long, long way from perfect in that way. And we've got a long, long journey to go and really um, achieving that. And, and we will endeavor to make that journey as transparent and open as possible and bring as many people along as possible and, and like i said earlier we hope to be a guinea pig for bigger businesses to show what's possible and what's not so you know we then have exciting journeys ahead of us with things like 3d printing one of the social projects we do is we support indigenous cobblers around the world particularly um, two groups in india and the sand bushmen in the kalahari and so obviously, you know, the way shoes have been made for thousands of generations is, is foot by foot, shoe by shoe um, in, in the local community made from the local sustainable materials. And 3D printing, interestingly, sort of gives the opportunity to go back to that type of indigenous shoemaking where you're making shoes foot by foot from local sustainable materials. Um, and so we, we're, we're really excited about the opportunities of, 3D printing and, and how that will ultimately bring a more sustainable shoe industry where this industrial complex of filling up warehouses all over the world with mass produced shoes will slowly come to an end. Um, and then, you know, perhaps a little bit back up the supply chain, we're going to launch our re-commerce site this, this year, which will be the first time I think anyone's done sold pre-loved shoes. And, and we will uh, we're working with an amazing company in England called the Boot Repair Company, and um, they they are going to re we're, we're getting as many old Vivos back as possible, refurbishing them, repairing them, and sending them back into the world. We're part of communities like Fashion for Good, which is an incubator for all kinds of new sustainable um, technologies, all the way up and down the supply chain, and it's you know extremely exciting to be working in collaborative industry groups like that and, and 
you know, I can tell you that it's just, it's awe-inspiring how many amazing new sustainable technologies are, are being developed as we speak. Sort of people figuring out how to make materials out of greenhouse gases, coming up with new chemical recycling solutions and, you, you know, you name it, all kinds of um, amazing materials and packaging solutions and shipping solutions and making solutions and dyeing and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a really exciting time to be figuring out how to make things in a more sustainable way because there are so many people in the world really earnestly at it. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're thrilled to, to be part of that community. There's no innovation without sustainability. Nike Chief Operating Officer, Eric Sprunk. I hope you enjoyed this episode on how sneaker culture is going green. Major thanks to Nicolene Van Inter of the Footwearists and Galahad Clark of Vivo Barefoot for joining our show and investing their many talents for the betterment of our planet. I'm Blakely Thomas Aguilar, and this is Pop Culture Tech. Our podcast is brought to you by VMware, the company that powers the world's complex digital infrastructure. Learn more at VMware.com. Have questions about today's episode or want to talk about your favorite sneaker tech? Follow me at BlakelyAgs and use hashtag Pop Culture Tech. Until next time, pop culture fans. 